Hello, everybody. This is a podcast of Ukraine World, an initiative in which we're trying to tell a little bit more about what's happening in Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolk, and today we're talking about political prisoners, Ukrainian political prisoners in Russia, political prisoners in Crimea and in occupied Donbass. And uh, we're talking with Alessandra from Euromaidan Press and the website letmypeoplego.org.ua and Alexander Romatsova from Center for Civil Liberties. And I would like to start with the case of Pavlo Hryb. Uh, today, the 1st February, there was a court uh, in uh, Krasnodar. Uh, Pavlo is a very young Ukrainian citizen who was kidnapped and now judged by a Russian court, accused of terrorism. So we'll start our conversation uh, from his case. Uh, okay, I'm started maybe. Uh, my name is Alexandra Mansova. I'm uh, I'm from Center for Civil Liberties, and we have started this campaign. Let my people go at 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14. Uh, that was only 11 people at that moment was like prisoners of Crimea, Crimea. Uh, <laughs> um, and about uh, Pavlo, it's a um, new case. It's new not only because it's not so far. Uh, by time, but uh, it's a question that first time when uh, Belarus started be one of the point of uh, kidnapping um, uh, that young guy, uh, he just uh, uh, 19 years old, and um, it's a big problem for us. Uh, first of all, because he, uh, his bad health condition. Uh, and he need uh, every day um, caring from doctors, but still uh, we don't have any access for Ukrainian doctors and other doctors except uh, a doctor that's jail with uh, where he stay. Uh, nobody have ac- access to him. Uh, so it's a, a big, uh, big problem uh, for like I, I don't know how, how it's called. Uh, maybe uh, it's like. Um, Opinion of Russia Federation that all people who has uh, uh, like terrorist point in their uh, their story because they they think and they say that uh, he do something like terroristic action uh, they don't uh, don't need to be care at all first of all second if they Ukrainians they automatically terrorists uh, so it's not so uh, they not uh, we uh, they were not waiting that uh, somebody I- independent court uh, make a decision about that they they start to speak about that in, from first moment we arrest them because he is a terrorist uh, but Pavlov's case sorry to interrupt you Pavlo, Pavlo's case mm-hmm. is so cynical because he was really kidnapped and uh, he was attracted by 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 a young woman uh, went to Belarus and and kidnapped there and do, don't you think that this is ki- kind of a witnessing of all the cynicism of Russian authorities what do you think Anna? <laughs> well um <clears throat> Yes, I think this case is really unprecedented in its cynicism because this guy was visiting his girlfriend in a neighboring city of Belarus, Hummel, and he was then kidnapped there and apparently this girl was collaborating with the FSB and transported more than a thousand kilometers away to Krasnodar. And basically what they're saying is that he and this girl with whom he is apparently in love, they were um, exchanging messages on Skype and said something about a school bomb plot. Like, we will place a bomb at, like, a graduation or something. And I think, it was, I mean, she had problems at school, and I can easily imagine how teenagers would, I want to blow up the school. 
But anyways, the, so this is really like, why the need to drag this guy a thousand kilometers away from his home and accuse him of terrorism? It's because um, it, it, this is just um, demonstrates that Russia needs these prisoners to create a picture on Russian TV um, uh, to generate hostility to Ukraine, to Ukrainian authorities, to Euromaidan, and basically ramp up this hate against Ukraine. Um, because, of course, as we are at a time of war, they need a picture of an enemy, and this enemy is Ukraine. And basically, I mean, this case, it so perfectly illustrates that all of these prisoners, and there are more than uh, at least 64 right now, um, they're being like live victims fed into the Russian propaganda machine to serve as living proof of all of these narratives um, that it is Russia who's the victim and it is Ukraine who's the attacker. It is Ukraine who's evil. And I mean, with, with Pavlo Grip, he's this guy who's interested in history and in Ukrainian nationalism. And of course, this serves as the perfect propaganda picture that in Ukraine, even these teenagers, they're, they're nationalists that want to blow up Russian schools with innocent Russian school children. So, <clears throat> the I story mean, of terrorism is, is very important, I think, because mm -hmm. we'll talk about other people. And of course, the case of Sensov, our film, uh, Crimean film director, is one of the most vividly known in the West, but he's also accused of terrorism. And Putin said oh, yes. uh, that he's accused not, about, not, not because mm -hmm. of his so-called nationalist views, but because of preparing terrorist attack, which is not proven. But Alexander, don't you think that this is a kind of a, kind of a, the, the typical argument? Because if, even if we look back in history, what strikes me, history of Soviet Union and how Soviet Union was attacking Ukrainian intelligentsia in the 30s, they were all accused of terrorism, even the writers and innocent uh, people. What do you think? Uh, three usual like accusation at uh, terrorism, extremism, and spy activity. It's uh, like biggest uh, numbers of group uh, people uh, who was arrested and with political motivation. And we need understood that, that people just because they are Ukrainians or Crimean Tatarians, uh, they arrested not because they do something. That's that's one of the point why we are put them in the list of uh, pris uh, prisoner who uh, with motivation political motivation. So we um, think that they are arrested for their convictions, and they say that it's not convictions but terrorism, which we, they basically not prove, right? Yeah, and uh, why they do that and why they uh, choose uh, terrorism like uh, accusation? Because first of all, uh, it's more uh, like a more scare picture for first of all for citizens of Russia Federation because they need uh, approval why they do so uh, big uh, number of money with uh, in in some system of uh, like um, security why they uh, why is they so why they so needed so strong law and uh, so limited for people for their action or for their connection with Ukrainian or some uh, some foreign uh, countries and so of course, they need uh, uh, arguments, and uh, for these arguments, they create a picture. And first, that was like uh, right sector, like uh, cruel Ukrainian uh, high-level professional right sector, which blowing all all what they saw in uh, uh, Crimea and will rip everyone, and so so forth. And second, now it we, we look at like tendency that how many people Muslim young men was arrested in Crimea. We we understood that next their picture, next their Media project. Uh, it's a uh, media project of Hill. Was it uh, that's like uh, 
kinds of Egil in, in Crimea from Muslims. Uh, I mean ISIS, the ISIS. Islamic State. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, they created like uh, uh, from Hezbollah Tahrir. Now they uh, took uh, next Crimean Tatarian uh, and Muslim organizations. So they're trying to show that so uh, people of Russia Federation, you need us because we uh, protect you from so cruel uh, enemies and the enemies from Crimea, from Ukraine, so, so forth. So let, let me come back to Crimea because it's one of the most important cases because, I mean, maybe half of those prisoners are from Crimea. Uh, just one one thought that came up to my mind, it's probably also because they they want to prove themselves more understandable for the West because the West is fighting against terrorism and they're saying, look, we are also fighting against yeah. terrorism, right? And all these Ukrainians, as mm -hmm. Ala said, are, are terrorists. Ale, maybe, maybe let me ask you to, to name those peoples, maybe the most uh, vivid, the most bright cases. Uh, I, again, I remind that there is a website letmypeoplego.org in which you can, uh, uh, list, you can basically read about the stories in English, but maybe you will uh, tell it in, in detail. Okay, so um, let my people go org UA. Yes, please visit our website. We have all the information about prisoners there. Um, well, basically, we can group these people into several types of cases. You named terrorism, and uh, Alexandra said about extremism, and of course, um, the most everybody knows about Oleksandr, and but there are two more people arrested um, with the same accusations as him: Alexander Kolchenko and Alexei Cherny. Um, then, and there was Afanasyev who was released. Afanasyev was released recently, and um, he advocates for political prisoners now, and is quite a media figure. But um, I, I, you know what? I would like to underline, maybe to stress that we're saying about political prisoners, but these are not political prisoners in the classical sense, as we're used to them, that somebody is jailed for their convictions. Of course, there are person uh, persons that had very pro-Ukrainian and patriotic positions. Um, like, for instance, Volodymyr Baluk, who was basically sentenced for raising a Ukrainian flag above his house in Crimea. But most, most people were just at the wrong place um, at the wrong time. It's okay. usual people, uh, a lot of them even don't have some uh, public ac activity yeah. about Ukraine or something. They just usually just... They were at the wrong place at the wrong time and they were seized specifically for this propaganda purpose because they are Ukrainians or Crimean Tatars that need to be shown as the enemy on the can TV. You, can you tell us about yeah. some cases? Of yes, yes, people? of course. Well, for instance, Oleksii Sizanovich, who's also accused of um, extremism and he is a 61-year-old pensioner living in Donbass and actually this is one of the cases where he was forcibly transported, uh, transported from occupied Donbass to Russia. And also his trial was held like in, in the course of several days and he, boom, he's sentenced to 12 years in jail because he was helping the Ukrainian army prepare terrorist acts. Of course, all of this is unproven and is basically it's, it's created for, for the propaganda picture. We talked about Pablo Hrib, um, but uh, the largest group, of course, of prisoners is, as Alexandra said, uh, those sent sentenced for their religious beliefs. Um, uh, basically, what Russia, Russia has passed the legislature that um, designates Hezbollah Tahrir, which is an Islamic um, organization, which um, peaceful organization that wants Cultural. to uh, wants to expand Islam, but in uh, by means of education. Um, Russia is among is the only country in the world to ban this organization as terrorist organization. And um, Tablighi Jamaat is it's also a similar uh, Islamic organization. Well, <clears throat> anyways, uh, in Russia, 
belonging to Hezbollah Tahrir or Tablighi Jamaat is already reason to sentence you for terrorism or extremism. So they just prove, and by prove, I'm putting this in quotation marks that you can't see. But anyways, they prove this by fabricated evidence that a person belongs to this organization and then sentence them away to 15 years in jail. Um, even though the organizations have never been involved in terrorist or extremist acts, and like, but by that I, I mean like never, ever, ever. And um, so we have these people who are sentenced for being Muslims, sentenced or under trial right now, because they are being accused of belonging an organization to which they do not belong and which never has been involved in terrorist or extremist acts so this is just this is really Double it's, it's so cynical yeah. and blatant violation of religious rights and as you said today of course um the fact that they are muslims and um it helps these cases go unnoticed. As um, human rights lawyer Emil Kurbadinov in Crimea said that because when people hear the word Islam or Hizbut Tahrir, they just shut off and they don't want to hear anymore. And of course, thanks to this, we have just a huge, I think it's like 1919 sentence for yeah, yeah, religion yeah. for and religious it's, it's biggest group which started more and more big last three months because mm -hmm. so it's that was progressive numbers uh, of people so it's and still it's a big problem because it's it's, it's, it's so interesting when uh, Nadia Savchenko was uh, was released uh, we have in this list only men's it's a not gender equal <laughs> situation but uh, so more than 100 children's uh, stay without their parents, without their dads, Fathers. because they, yeah, uh, papas, because they are in the jail. And so, so, so it's huge number of uh, Muslim Crimean Tatarian families without their men's uh, now in Crimea because they was arrested. And it's more and more, <coughs> more <coughs> sorry, more and more, uh, more and more people arrest again and again and again. Yes, so basically how this happens is that the FSB or police are um, just break into the house of somebody, of a Crimean Tatar family, and they do an unauthorized search. They don't have any, um, any, clothes? any, yeah, like special clothes. Insignia. That they need to have. they yeah. don't show any permits and court orders for a search. They find some religious literature that <coughs> they say is banned, or they plant maybe some weapons somewhere while they're doing the search. And then, of course, they, they start accusing these people of belonging to these organizations. For understanding, in Ukraine, we never have a, a list of banning literature or something like this, even, even religion kinds of something. Uh, but in Russia Federation, and when Russia law comes to Crimea with occupation, uh, they have a list more than only about Muslims. They have more than 70 points, uh, like banded literature. Uh, so that was a problem for um, not only for uh, simple houses of Crimea, Tatarian and Muslims, uh, that was a problem for uh, Medrese, it's uh, Muslim schools, where all these texts, they every, every time exist there and people reading them and don't have any problem with it because in Ukraine that, uh, there was not banned. And, but in Russia Federation, each even small court in some, I don't know, in somewhere in Sakhalin uh, can put new, uh, new line in this list because they decide like some, some other cases. So, so it's really, uh, you can even you want to like uh, uh, monitoring that list and trying to, to don't take uh, such uh, banded literature, you can do that because it's always again and again new and new lines put in there.
Well, and also, as Alexandra said, um, this um, type of activity by the FSB and arrests of basically innocent people, it, of course, it, it is a justification of the huge expenditures that Russia makes on its security service and uh, and the repression, oppressive measures that are taken. Because on TV, it is shown that a terrorist cell was was neutralized. Well, exactly. And this is, again, um, I'm thinking about this uh, old Soviet uh, practices when you invent an organization, like mm -hmm. they, in 1930, they invented a spilka in Ukraine at the SFIL case, where the, the first wave of intelligentsia was accused of terrorism. But let me, t uh, let me talk about other types of, uh, of prisoners. So we were talking about uh, uh, Crimean Tatars. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about somebody who was involved into Maidan activities and then captured? Oh, yes, yes, we have a, a special category for that. <laughs> yeah, mo mo mostly people, like, at, at one of the point, if somebody finds, uh, if uh, FSB find a uh, photo uh, where some, someone in, in Maidan in Kiev or other Maidans, because we have in uh, in big biggest number of uh, region of Ukrainian during to, uh, of the winter 2013-2014, we have a Yevromedan, small Yevromedan, each is uh, each uh, region uh, center. Uh, so, uh, from whom started? Uh, first one was Mikola Shiptur. Yeah, it's, it's same. Like even even I think it's easily started from um, two guys who released now, but but it's really just a happy end story. It's. Um, uh, um, Yura uh, Yatsenka and against uh, two students from Lviv who comes to Russia Federation for their private reasons that that was not uh, connecting with nothing I don't know pro professional or business and uh, in Kursk they was arrested and only because FSB um, uh, find uh, a photo where they was in uh, Maidan in Kiev uh, they started um, press them and when even uh, usual civil court uh, make a decision that uh, guys need to be uh, deported because they have some uh, administrative uh, ad broken some administrative rule. Uh, more than one year, uh, FSB don't don't give the possibility to deport them, and uh, they torture them, and even guys need to uh, hurt themselves to to stop this process. So they, but uh, uh, Cut. Yeah, they, they cut their hands, they cut their uh, stomach to, to stop this uh, pressure from FSB and this torture. And only, uh, only I don't know, maybe because it, that was not in the from, from center FSB, because only this was reg originally uh, FSB, uh, we, we can take them from, from there. But more than one year they staying there. And from, from their story we know mostly about information what happened with people where, where they comes to to this um, situation and how how uh, what kind of proposition they have like they propose them if you uh, speak by video like and make we told about this picture from media if you will told about that we escape from ukrainian because we don't want to be uh like uh, to service the junta and uh, like war, war regime and there was a force we will uh, we will release you so that's like uh, mostly we understood why it's happened at all. So it's two, two like good stories because in, in Baghdad and the Euro they are released and, and now working with the same in campaign Let My People Go, like 
uh, like raising know, awareness about yeah. about Ukrainian political prisoners. But and uh, just recently, I actually I got a letter from Alexander Kostenko, which I sent to him last New Year. Greeting. We, so there's this letter campaign within the Let My People Go campaign that people send letters and postcards to political prisoners. It's really a big help for them. So just recently, I got an answer one year later after it. His mother sent the letter to me um, because it wasn't all well, she she helped send the letter from him. But anyways, um, he was arrested for throwing a stone at a barricade officer and in Kiev during the Yomaidan revolution. Um, so, and he was arrested in Crimea, so after, after Crimea was occupied. So, so what, what we have yeah. is Russian illegal court is judging a person for actions that took part in another country. And another citizen. And, and, and another citizen, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. And basically what, there is no proof of him harming this officer actually. It's like he, the officer testified that he experienced extreme distress, but in fact it was something like, like a, a stone. He, he threw a stone at a riot police officer. And this was reason to sentence him for three and a half years. Let, so, let me ask. Let, let me ask uh, a question about conditions in mm -hmm. which the, mm -hmm. those prisoners are held. Are they experiencing torture? Where Where are they? For example, are they experiencing all those harsh conditions of you know some prisons in Russia? And what are the most average sentence they got? Um, where they they usually in the jail since it's a Russian jail, so it's not something something comfortable, surely. Um, but uh, we know that uh, a lot of them have uh, problems with even even Russian conditions in the jails because, like uh, Gennady Afanasyev told, uh, they they can give them clothes to too big for them because uh, it, it's just a, it's just a little way to how uh, how do. Uh, worse situation when when you in, in the jail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like. But uh, described real tortures. So those who not really visible, probably, but he described uh, in in his interviews about some pressures on him. Yeah, and and this situation with uh, we have a lot of uh, numbers of uh, evidence about torture about the uh, like uh, for for these people and uh, even now we are prepared special material analytic uh, analytic material about that, uh, but. Um, uh, we understood that first of all, uh, they don't give uh, possibility to have a connection with uh, with these people. Uh, about uh, people who was arrested in Crimea, uh, Russian Federation started talk, uh, told about that they are automatically Russian citizenships uh, have because uh, because they was registered in Crimea. That's enough. Yeah. Which is again not true yeah. because uh, you had the possibility to choose the citizenship. Uh, it, even uh, yeah, sure. It's it's not like um, uh, it's not in in the uh, normal international rules about citizenship. Uh, that's why they don't give possibility our consulate going to and have a connection with these people and uh, with the people who who was uh, like kidnapped or arrested in the territory of Russia Federation and have citizens uh, citizenship of Ukraine, they still. Uh, uh, example with the Pavlo Grip, they uh, still don't have enough possibility to, to access to them. Uh, and uh, Kar uh, Karpik and Klich, it's two guys who uh, who was arrested about this Chechnya case, where yes, the yes. Thir third um, third uh, like um, 
active uh, role or uh, part, I don't know how it's called, our ex-premier minister Yatsenyuk, and they told that uh, they was like a third guy who, who active um, take a part Again, in Chechnya. Again, not proven, campaign. right? Yeah, sure. It's all, all this all this story don't have any uh, any approvals because to these guys, Klich and Karpyuk, never be in Chechnya, never. Before before somebody bring them to, to the court and uh, started talking about it, they, are, they got huge uh, sentences like over twenty years. Right? And they have um, they have a problem. One of them like uh, them have a psychology problem with after to, uh, after all what happened with them, and uh, we can find them more than half of year where they physically. Uh, like in which jail they physically stay. Uh, more than seven, uh, that was like seven uh, lawyers trying to come to their case and uh, and just they have only answer by uh, written answers. They don't, ha uh, don't have don't have a possibility to see their clients, but uh, have a read, uh, written answer. I uh, okay, you, I don't need you. I don't want that you will be my lawyer. So, and we, we try and find them like half of year after this, our colleagues from Russia Federation uh, uh, find them in um, Chelyabinsk. And after this, we, we can try to uh, and have a connection with the lawyers who can come to their case. So it's one of the example how they, we, so which conditions we can even sometimes monitoring which conditions they stay because we can find them. Um, yeah, um, I would like to add also that in the case of torture, this is, we talk a lot about Russian propaganda creating this virtual reality that doesn't exist. And in the case with Ukrainian political prisoners, torture is the way that they create this reality. Because um, very many prisoners were tortured and uh, some have written appeals to the European Court of Human Rights where they describe this torture, and it's really quite frightening to read. I will, I will read you a fragment of the testimony appeal of Stanislav Klich, who mm, Alexander yeah. mentioned is, has actually lost his mind from the absurdity of this case and from just the pain that he suffered. I was also given alcohol and psychotropic drugs which were administered to me intravenously. These methods were applied to me to force me to admit that I was allegedly in Chechnya in 94-2000 and took part in the hostilities on Dodaev's side, participated in killing soldiers in Plushet, Minutka, and Grozny, had intended to carry out terrorist attacks in different cities of Russia and supposedly arrived in Russia for this purpose. Besides that, I was kept for several days in the Vladikovkaz prison without food or water. As a result, I was brought to a state of dystrophy, could not hold a spoon or pen in my hands because my hands were dislocated from being chained to the bars. The execution was attended by unidentified persons in masks that placed a bag over my head and secured it with tape before starting to torture me. So, a bag over his head, right? On the second night, at approximately midnight, masked men came to my cell and dragged me into the basement, after which a man that called himself Sasha began to torture me with electric um, and increased the voltage. After each execution, masked men came to disinfect my wounds with iodine and brilliant green because in some places my skin was worn off almost to the bones. To this day, I can't stand on my knees or wear handcuffs because the layer of skin on my hands is still very thin. Sasha came into the cell, hit me in the, in the ribs and legs and said that I should say that I cut the throat of two Russian soldiers in Ploshet Minutka. So this is basically how this testimony is extracted through this torture. Uh, sometimes they become the sole basis for accusing these people. Sometimes the... <clears throat> The prosecutors and the law enforcement organs, they torture prisoners to 
uh, give an accusation to other prisoners, to other Ukrainian political prisoners that they don't even know, as it was in the case of Kolomiets, uh, who was beaten to extract a testimony against Kostenko. And these are two guys who were accused for your taking part in your Maidan. <clears throat> so basically, um, uh, of course, this is it's very cynical. And um, regarding parallels with um, previous times in Ukraine, when I was reading these appeals of Stanislav Klich and Mikola Karpuk, who was uh, they were given Mikola Karpuk twenty two and a half years, um, based on torture, as the kind that I've read right now. Um, it, it was just so vivid before my eyes, the um, Sad Hetsemansky, uh, this, uh, we have this um, piece in Ukrainian literature where a guy describes all the circles of hell that he went through when being tortured during Stalin's repressions. And I mean, it, it was, it was, it's really scary to read the, the extents to which people can torture the human body and to break the spirit. And this all is repeating right now. I think there's just, the Russians have a lot of experience and it comes from Stalin's times. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm just to add that uh, Soviet style still in Crimea they using uh, this uh, psychology expertise for uh, for people who was arrested by political motivation and so, so it's next step like so torture by psychology punitive psychiatry it's called yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and and in the Soviet Union of course there was a huge problem with Soviet dissidents who were or placed in psychiatric, psychiatric clinics, clinics. Yes. so they, they uh, like started again this good Soviet tradition. Yeah, this is uh, of course a horrified, a horrifying picture and um, it is I think our, our task to tell this story to the world. But let me ask broadly, maybe we will finish on that, about the human rights situation in Crimea and occupied Donbass. What, what you think as a major trend over the past year? Uh, um, okay, in, in Donbass uh, we have uh, uh, we have a lot of people who stay in there in basement, uh, like and even even uh, uh, yeah even we have uh, like good news uh, before our uh, winter holidays. We have a big. Uh, it's not changing. We can we can speak it <laughs> like a changing, like releasing <laughs> from both sides. Uh, people Tradition. and yeah. Yeah, uh, but but still, it we, we know that uh, these people who was released, they um, started speak about whom they uh, saw in basement with them and who staying there. So numbers of people who um, staying in basement, it's like if before that that was near six uh, six hundred people. So now it's more and more. It's it's so strange. Yeah, seven. Five people like release, but uh, but uh, like number of people in lists uh, of um, who disappeared or yeah or, or who uh, like uh, staying there like started be uh, bigger. So we're talking right now just to explain about war prisoners, right? Who are it's, in not, the... it's not always war prisoners because um, it's uh, a lot of them. It's like uh, civil prisoners. So be, uh, so they uh, they take in the basement not because they uh, they was like uh, in such army or take a part in fighting. No, it's because sometimes it's because they like broke some rules of uh, so-called uh, Lugansk 
market, Donetsk public republic sometimes because they have a money and they was just uh, uh, it, it's kidnapping, just usual kidnapping or be all because they they need a free labor um, labor power to to do something. So uh, it's a huge number of reason or because they don't like you at all or because they decided that you have to two new Ukrainian passports that mean you go into Ukraine uh, territory uh, or don't like in Kiev or somewhere and uh, take so US spy. So it's, can we estimate the number of people who are still there? In, uh, uh, still we around? have more than 1000 uh, like um, uh, it's like uh, their relatives wrote to Red Cross and so uh, in uh, state different commission about this so my my relative has disappeared, so I think he is in basement, so more than 1,000. But uh, during the last four years, um, from basement were, was were released more than 3,600 uh, 3, people. So it's, uh, it's only who was released, <laughs> so, uh, how many staying there. Uh, nobody can control this uh, situation because even Red Cross don't have any access to this basement. Uh, so, so situation, same situation with special monitoring mission of OSC. They don't have, nobody don't have access, uh, access there and even like calculate people how many there. And in Crimea, the, a little other situation because first of all, and, and about, uh, I'm just uh, finished about uh, Donbass, but about Donbass we have some place, international um, uh, international platform to speak about that, to trying to, to have some, uh, I don't know, negotiation about releasing people and so, so forth. That's a Minsk process. But if we will uh, look in the, uh, uh, at the Crimea, we don't have any uh, public international platform to speak with Russia Federation about what happened in Crimea. Because in Crimea limited all rights, all the human rights at all. So uh, freedom of speech, freedom of, uh, I don't know, association, freedom of uh, uh, do something, something publicly. Even people who before that was uh, like support the coming of Russia. Uh, in Crimea, even there now, go, uh, like uh, going to prison because they do something. They, like they have habits in Ukraine, you can always go uh, go out to the street and with some, I don't know, plackets or some manifest or something like this. But in Russia Federation, which who, who comes to Crimea, you never can do that. You need a permission for that. So and so, so that's like a change the people view about this. So we even now have a, uh, like some part of people in Crimea who like Russian Federation, but trying to fight for their rights, human rights and political rights, even even they in human. Um, and first of all, it's surely a pressure for people who have other opinion in Crimea. People who was first step that was a press, second step that's Crimea Tatarian because it's uh, mostly organ organized like they have a strong organization skills because they it's like great movement for back from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan to Crimea, so they still mostly are organized group in Crimea. Uh, so Crimea Tatarian, that was like, like next group, which was limited, and after this, it's business. Um, in Russia Federation, they're trying to uh, limit all kinds of free business or small business in Crimea. Before that, that was a like um, a heaven <laughs> for people who just do small business and with the 
connected with the some seasons and surely it's uh, now it's a lot of attention from Russia Federation said it's for um, students and uh, and children from uh, from school because they trying to Mm, like mm, connect them with Russia Federation from young uh, young age, so they trying to uh, they pressure them that at fourteen they need to take a Russian passport because uh, if they don't have them they can graduate from school. Uh, they trying to put uh, put the propositions that students go from Crimea to uh, to Russia Federation and we uh, like except next. Uh, we think the next uh, step will be its army. It's um, like official in Russia Federation have a, like promising that four years or five years from Crimea, any soldier don't go into the other territory. So, uh, but it's the third third year of after Russian occupation, uh, they started took uh, uh, took soldiers from Crimea to whole other regions of Russia Federation in army. Like it, it's you mean one those soldiers who were based in Crimea initially? No, 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 it's like a prisif, I don't know how to call it. Conscription? Conscription, Conscription yes. So, so that's official. Before that, or if you even go, first uh, first year they need to conscription at, at all there. After this they told that, okay, yeah, sure, we, uh, we will propose you to go to our army, but nobody uh, will go in um, somewhere other region of Russia Federation except Crimea. But now, we have such examples that the people, uh, the people going to the other region. And let's recall that by the Geneva Convention, the occupying state is uh, is is not allowed to conscript any um, inhabitants of the territory that it occupies. Yeah, this, it's international this is crime. Crime. It's mm -hmm. war crime, international crime. Mm -hmm. Ola, can you add something about? Oh yes, <laughs> just, <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> just yesterday, just um, yesterday. Uh, there was a presentation of a joint report that we took part in. It's um, basically right now four years. We have 64 political prisoners and only five were freed. Um, so of course there's this question of what to do. How can we actually and one free escape. these people? Okay, yeah, yeah one, es <laughs> one escaped. Then the one that that you said he also escaped actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, anyways, but due to ne negotiations and participation of the Ukrainian side, only five were freed. And of course, just viewing out this repression in Crimea, there this list will only, only grow. Um, so um, we looked into the historical, um, what we can, what Ukraine can take from conflicts in other times and countries. And one of the most important findings uh, was that a neutral negotiator was always key to free prisoners in Georgia, in Azerbaijan, in Iran, and also actually in Soviet times uh, to liberate Yosef Slipy, who was an, um, a leader of the Greek Catholic Church who was spent 17 years in concentration camps. So in all of these cases historically um, there were people who stepped in from neutral countries for instance from Switzerland there were many people who advocated on behalf of these prisoners or just human rights defenders who were able to speak with both sides and um, to reach an agreement to uh, free these free political prisoners and free prisoners of war. So I think that right now Ukraine needs to search actively for people who could be these um, who could be negotiators. negotiators. Yes. So 
for those listening to our program today, <laughs> if you know, if you are that person who, who you know that Putin will listen to you, or if you know that kind of person, please send us a message to the page Let My People Go. And um, basically, another um, another mechanism that could be could help force Russia to um, free these prisoners are sanctions and. Uh, human rights organizations have been compiling their lists of um, Russian law enforcers who are connected to this torture that we were talking about, to fabricating evidence, to all these illegal detainments. And, um, and these lists have been submitted to several countries abroad, like Canada and Great Britain. But um, the thing is that Ukraine should adopt these sanctions first, actually. And after that, it will be much easier to persuade Western countries to follow suit. And um, coming up, we also have uh, elections of Russian president and um, the World Cup in Russia. And these are all very good moments for raising um, awareness about Ukrainian political prisoners. And basically, historically, authoritarian governments have are known to release political prisoners before major sports events. It actually happened in Russia in 2004 before the Sochi Olympian. Um, so when Pussy Riot was released um, and uh, some Bolotnaya prisoners. And I think this could happen again um, before the FIFA World Cup. So this is just the right time to start campaigning and advocating for the fates of, of our innocent fellow Ukrainians. Thank you so much uh, for this uh, for this talk. Very detailed and very important, I think. Alexandra from Euromaidan Press, letmypeoplego.org.ua and Alexander Romansova Center for Civil Liberties. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. This is Ukraine World, uh, an initiative in which we are trying to tell a little bit more about Ukraine, what's happening here. <laughs>